Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Not only did he see by the wrong eyes, he was thinking incorrectly. See, God was not in this formula. He says, I saw the army getting close. Our men are running away. Verse 12, he says, I thought. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. By the way, I wrote this. What we think doesn't matter when God has already told us what to do. What we think doesn't matter at all when God already told us what to do. If you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, you'll notice that people usually get in trouble because they don't do what God told them clearly to do. Adam and Eve are the first examples shown. Don't eat the fruit from that one tree. You can also see where God honors those that are obedient to his commandments. Pastor Mark will be previewing the reign of David by revisiting the reign of King Saul. He will talk about Saul's fall from humility into pride and how he increasingly became displeasing to God, to the point where God decided to remove Saul's kingship and give it to David. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 13 as he continues his message, The Life of David. This year when we were Israel, we, we don't always stop there, but we stopped on Mount Precipice where Jesus came into a town and they got so angry at him, they were trying to throw him off the cliff to kill him. And the Bible says Jesus, knowing it wasn't the time, he just snuck out and God provided a way of escape. See, Jesus knew the timing of God. Remember Palm Sunday when he came into town? He did something he never really did before. He allowed the people to go, you're the Messiah. Publicly, he would always say to the people, don't say anything. It's not my time. It's not my time. But he knew the timing of God. It was a time to go to the cross. So timing is very important. If you're here tonight and trying to make a decision and you're going like, well, man, I have to make it by tomorrow and relax. Be patient. Be still. Wait for the Lord. You see, sometimes God allows things to get right to the end to test us if we'll trust him. And you're going to see that tonight. Day one, day two, day three, all the way to day seven. But it's on that day seven that he just goes ahead. If he waited a little longer, everything would have worked out right. Well, go back, look at verse nine. What does Saul say where we were? He says, So bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Impatience caused Saul to panic. And finally on day seven, sometimes during that day, 
with no Samuel in sight, things getting worse from his eyes, Saul took things, as we just said, into his own hands. He got ahead of God's will. He was doing ministry that as a king he was not called to. You see, only a priest could offer a sacrifice. Verse 10 is very interesting. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. If he'd waited just in patience, he'd have been perfectly fine. But just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. If only, that's another whole Simran series. If only, ever said it? If only, I would have waited. Been there, done that. Psalm 37, 7 says this. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. So maybe you're here tonight and anxious. We understand that. Be patient. Wait. Well, verse 11 says this. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Obviously, he probably smelled the sacrifice, could see it. We don't know exactly if he already saw it or he just knew what was happening. And Saul replied, when, circle these two words, I saw. When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Mismash. What was Saul doing? He was walking by sight, not by faith. Easy for us to do. He looked and he said, the circumstances, I have to make a move now. I have to make the move. And you'll now begin, here you see it, the blame game begins. The excuse game begins. But really, with God, there is no blame game. It's not a game. Instead of admitting that he should have waited, you're going to see Samuel to, to Samuel. Saul initially is going to blame Samuel. You're late. If you'd been here earlier in the day, it'd have been no problem. Then he's going to blame the people. Then he's going to blame the circumstances. Instead of trusting Saul, he tried to excuse his inappropriate behavior, sin, working as a priest. Now, watch, uh, watch what he says. By the way, when you think of Saul and you think of David, one of the things that is uh, distressing is Saul seemingly never really repents. He sometimes says the right words, but repentance means totally changed in heart and action. He, he never does. He's always the excuse king. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Now, whether confronted by a person or the word or God, you and I should realize that God speaks sometimes through people. And in a moment, um, he is going to be spoken to by Samuel. Samuel's already queasing him. What have you done? Remember Adam and Eve, what happened? God said, why are you naked? Why do you have the leaves on? And remember the blame game, same exact thing. By the way, in the time of the year we're in now, if you look in our country, is there any blame going on right now? 
How many of you are sick up to here with the commercials and the advertisements and the whatever? I mean, it's great we can vote. Praise God for that, right? We can do that. It's a wonderful thing. But I mean, do you ever hear anybody take responsibility? No, the Republicans did it. The Democrats did it. She did it. Did it. And, and the way they take these ads now, it's amazing what they leave out. Total lies. Here we are buying into it. People buy it. Of course, it's our money spending people on this stuff, but same deal. Now, let me ask you a couple of questions because we're going to go through here. Well, look at verse 12 first. Second thing, you want to circle in verse 12, the first two words, I thought. Not only did he see by the wrong eyes, he was thinking incorrectly. See, God was not in this formula. He says, I saw the army getting close. Our men are running away. Verse 12, he says, I thought. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. By the way, I wrote this. What we think doesn't matter when God has already told us what to do. What we think doesn't matter at all when God already told us what to do. Let me ask you a question. Are you a person that will never admit you're wrong? You know, sometimes that becomes a habit in a life, and it's not a pretty thing to see. Because other people know exactly when they talk to you, they already know what they're going to get. Well, you didn't get that report in on time. Yeah, well, you don't understand what I mean. There's just no honesty there. So I want you to write this. Can you and I say the words, I was wrong. Can you and I say those words? And the bigger one is, forgive me. Forgive me. By the way, if you're married, those are some of the most important words that will keep your marriage healthy. It has to be there. Because we are wrong. And we do need to ask people to forgive me. So I want you to do something that's very strange. I just want you to turn to the person on your right, and I want you to say to them, I was wrong. And then I want you to turn to the person on the left and say, forgive me. Go ahead. Practice. 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 Practice it. Go ahead. Practice it. If you don't have any mercy, say it to me up here. Say it to me up here. How do you like those words coming out of your mouth? See, your marriages will be better tomorrow. You've already practiced. So you can, and when you're driving home, just practice. Go to your boss tomorrow and say, I was wrong, forgive me. And you just shock them, Oof, fall right out. It's a good thing. I'm very serious, though. Nobody wants to be around a person that never admits they're wrong. Because there's no honesty there. And as a Christian, obviously we understand what repentance really means. Verse 13, Samuel said, you acted foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord, your God, gave you. Now, if you had, he would have established, watch this, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. Ouch. Choose to sin. Choose to suffer. Because Saul disobeyed and rejected the Lord, God would reject Saul and his family, his lineage, from being king over Israel. Verse 14 clarifies it. But now your kingdom 
will not endure. You see, the Lord had sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him as leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You see, in those days, a huge benefit in being a king was to establish his dynasty. We see it. North Korea, we see it. Just passed down from son to son to son to son to son. We see that in many places where the son would always sit on the throne after dad passed away. This dynasty um, could have been there for Saul. Although Saul would temporarily retain his throne, probably for another 20 or 25 years after this, he's still going to be on the throne. Eventually, God will say that's it, and none of his descendants will ever carry this dynasty on. So then, just at the right time, God would begin looking as you just see here in verse 14, for a man after his own heart. So if he's looking for a man after his own heart, what does that tell us about Saul? Saul did not have a heart after God. He doesn't say it, but that's exactly what it means. Someone has said, I loved it when I was studying Saul was a man after Israel's heart. It was all about his pride, his image with man and what people thought about him. And you'll see that in a moment. See, Saul is concerned what you thought about him, not what God thought about him. By the way, this is just one of many sins in Saul's life. And uh, as he loses the throne of Israel and all the rest. So let's turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. See one more that will usher us into the transition in a few years over king of Israel. Now this is numbers of years after. Some people think it's at least 20 years after what we just read. And we begin. And Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you as king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. Let me just stop there and remind you tonight. Notice God used special people that he would speak to in the Old Testament. Not everybody would hear from God. You have the privilege of hearing from God every single day, all day long. Don't take that lightly. You get to hear from God. So do I. In those days... No, Samuel the prophet would come, and he would come and say, all right, king, you'd almost think like, well, why isn't the king hearing? Well, in this particular case, he didn't. He said, here's here's what God's going to say to you. So he says, I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you over king, so listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. The Amalekites were another enemy, like the Philistines. Now go, Saul, with your armies, attack the Amalekites, totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys. I won't spend time tonight. That seems harsh and cruel. But remember, when Israel came into the land, that's what basically exactly what the Amalekites did to the nation of Israel. They talked to all the people at the back, killed them, and whatever. And the Amalekites are a picture of sin. And what God was saying is, 
that generation will go on and on and on, and there'll always be a thorn in your side if you don't take care of it. Now, there's a whole spiritual application that I don't want to get into tonight, but Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 is all about this same thing. If we don't put to death our old sin nature on a daily basis, it will always rise up. You know what that looks like. It always, it always wants to rule. And so that was really what God was doing. So what was doing all these years later, God was giving Saul what? Another chance, another chance to prove himself. Another chance to prove that he could be God's king. Another chance to prove that he could obey God. So if you read verse 3, if you're the king... How clear is that directive from God? So let me just use this as an illustration. I'm the king. My army's behind me. You're the Amalekites. If I obey God, what happens at the end of this battle? What happens to you? Is there anybody left out there? No. How about all the plunder that's there? All the gold? All what, What happens with it? Do I bring it back with me? That's pretty tempting, though. You sure? So, in other words, you understand the directive, right? It's to destroy all of them. Don't bring back any of the plunder. Leave the stuff alone. You know, just everything. All total finished done. Pretty clear, right? Okay. Uh, you say, well, that's very clear. What's, what's wrong with Saul? Well, let me give you another one. I have no other gods ever before you. Don't watch that program. Well, I know, but there's, you know, 27 words are bad, but the rest of the moral story is really good. Don't let jealousy and unforgiveness be in your life. How much? None. Oops. So don't be too hard on Saul. Do you understand what I'm trying to say tonight? But it's clear, isn't it? It's clear. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, I haven't. Jesus went, well, if you look at a woman or a man, whoops. So it's clear. It's clear. Now, what's going to happen? The directive's clear. Spiritually, the Amalekites are a type of the flesh. Saul's duty is to go through and just remove them so that that nation is no longer ever going to be a thorn in their side again. Well, look at verse 7. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way to Havilah, to shore, to the east of Egypt. And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, circle the word in your Bible, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Verse 9. But Saul and the army, circle the word, spared Agag and the best of the sheep. And the cattle, the fat calves, lambs, and everything that was good. They went in and went, that'll look really good in my tent. Right on the shelf there, that'll look really good in my tent. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. Notice the key word, unwilling. It wasn't that they didn't understand. They were just unwilling to obey. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. So when they went in, they knew what they were to do. They got there in the middle, and you're going to see that, well, they bring back the king. Now, why are they going to bring back the king? Because really, 
Saul's going to go like, this is my trophy here. I defeated the enemy. This is the king. I've defeated the enemy. So it's going to be his trophy. And then as they went through the tents, stuff that was like, you know, from Kmart or whatever, they threw that away. But if it was from like the real namey stores, whoa, look at that. Man, what's the name of that sucker right there? They brought those goodies back with them because they were really, really special. Good stuff. So the stuff that had to go to the Salvation Army, they just left there. The stuff that had never been worn, it was the wrong size or whatever, they got it at Dillard's and they got it at, you know, Neiman Marcus, they brought it with them. Am I relating to people tonight? Do you understand what I'm saying? So they brought it back with them. Now, I love, I love verse 10. Look what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Samuel isn't around, but the word of the Lord came to Samuel. Do you know tonight that God has eyes in the back of his head, in the front of his head, on the bottom of his feet? He sees everything. Be sure your sin will find you out. You'll understand that in a moment. In verse 10, we're reminded that God is all-knowing. Nothing is hidden from God. So the word of the Lord comes to Samuel. Verse 11. I am grieved that I have made Saul king. Because he's turned away from me. Notice how personally God takes this. It wasn't about the stuff. It was about the disobedience. He has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled. And he cried out to the Lord all that night. There's an amazing picture there. First, God knew the pride that was in Saul's heart. We'll see that in a moment. But I want you to look at me. Here's the thing that really got God. God also knew the potential that Saul had, but he has now wasted it. God knows the amazing potential you have tonight and how he wants to use you. But the devil knows the potential and wants to have it destroyed. So many wonderful men and women who had amazing potential fell to the flesh, and they lose it. Saul had amazing potential, but it would be wasted by disobedience. You see, God loves Saul, and Samuel loves Saul. It's not a thing God angry and mad. He just saw the potential, and he went, man, he doesn't care for me anymore. So it was evident that Saul's heart no longer belonged to God, but belong to him. He's interested only in himself and how people look at him. You know the verse, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Today, Pastor Mark talked about the danger of being impatient in regards to trying to do God's will. He taught about the importance of not getting ahead of God, using King Saul as an example. Saul lost God's favor because he just wasn't willing to wait for God's timing. The application to your life should be pretty clear. Waiting for God will ensure your success. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, we'll wrap up the first part of the story of David. Pastor Mark will teach more about King Saul's pride, which led him to disobey God and cause God to regret having made him king. He will speak about the importance of being willing to admit when you've messed up. Saul wasn't willing to admit to Samuel he disobeyed, falling to self-deception and his own destruction. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Let us hear your lessons.